RadioInfluence.com. Hello, everybody. This is Ian Beckles, and welcome back to the Plant Power Podcast. Hopefully, everybody had a wonderful week, and uh, hopefully, you got out there and uh, smoked something delicious. I know that that I did. So, first and foremost, let me just show some love to Caroleaf, our title sponsors. Uh, Caroleafs are all over the Tampa Bay area. Uh, you know, our dignitary tea and kava house is right here on the corner of uh, West Shore and Gandhi. So, from here, I think there is three or four cure leaves from the stone throw from here. So doesn't matter where you are in the Tampa Bay area, there's going to be a cure leaf nearby. And uh, it's all about, you know, customer service and people treating you the right way and uh, getting good deals and having wonderful flour. That's what cure leaf has. And it seems like it's 50% off just about every single day. So go check them out there at cure leaf. And uh, if you don't have your medical marijuana card right here at Dignitary Tea and Kava House, we're at 4817 Southwest Shore Boulevard. Uh, you can get your medical marijuana card right here from the cannabis dock. You can go to CannabisDocGroup.com, and uh, every Friday they have these, you know, they have people filing in and out of here, uh, filling out things and drinking kava and drinking some some kratom and having a good time and leaving here with their medical marijuana card. So come and hang out with us and uh, get your card and get legal. That's what it's all about. Now, my uh, my man right here, Tom Ponzo, uh, he's doing all that investigative journalism for me. How you doing, brother? Everything I'm doing good? great, man. Everything's great, man. Awesome. Now, uh, I said to, to Tom, and we talked about this last week, this is a product that I saw at Cure Leaf. It's a brand new product. It's called Relief. And the second they came out with it, they literally gave it to me because it's about pain relief. Okay. And I got quite a few pains for, uh, for good reason. Um, this might be one of the best thing I've ever tried as far as just pain relief, something that you rub on. You, you did some uh, journalism, investigative journalism on this. What did you find from uh, Relief? Did uh, you find this out? morning, uh, you knew I had some physical work to do today. Mm-hmm. So uh, I asked if you had anything that could work for this. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take what you got. And he gave me this, and I put it on my shoulder. I'm experiencing a little bit of a pinched nerve in my neck. And I put some on my shoulder before I did that heavy lifting. And it worked great. I, I didn't have one thought of any pain mm. that was going through my shoulder during that time. And after the physical work, um, my wife put some on my back mm-hmm. because my back was feeling a little sore. And it's, I'm starting to feel the effects of it right now. It's uh, it's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. good. Relief. Good stuff. Relief from Cure Relief. Good stuff. Now, the thing is... You know, everybody thinks that, you know, marijuana is just that dirt weed that you used to have in your basement. Uh, You can get marijuana and THC in your body a lot of different ways, people, okay? It's not just about getting high anymore. I personally like to get high. Some people do, some people don't. But THC has a lot of different uses, and uh, one is for, you know, you know, therapeutic use for pain, uh, for arthritis, and uh, this definitely helps out. You know, nothing's a cure to anything. Uh, you just get some relief, and I think that's what uh, THC does to a lot of people out there. Now, there's a lot of different strains out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember, what did we what did we go over last week? It we was, went uh, over um, uh, sweat helmet, sweat helmet, yeah, sweat helmet over there at Cure Leaf. And this week, what did you what did you look over this week? As far I as have uh, strawberry diesel. Okay, I've had that today. quite a few times. Yeah, it's basically uh, something that allows me, like I did today as well, mm. it helped me energize. I got more energy out mm. of smoking it this morning, and it helped me complete a lot of the tasks that I did. It's also good for pain relief. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that in combination with the relief did a really, really good job. You can get strawberry diesel over a cure relief as well. I know they're selling it right now. Um, it's uh, 
well-balanced hybrid, they say here, relaxing your muscles while creating an energizing, clear-headed sensation. So also, if you're looking for help with insomnia mm. and would like to get things done, so it's kind of a dichotomy no in doubt. itself, no doubt. it may be a really good match for you if you're looking into things like that. I think everybody fits that bill right there. Mm -hmm. I think everybody needs help sleeping and everybody needs help concentrating in the daytime. Yes. And, you know, marijuana is one of those things where everybody kind of says why they smoke marijuana, but everybody smokes marijuana. Mm. It doesn't, you know, no doubt. I heard Queen Elizabeth used to smoke marijuana because she had menstrual cramps. Oh. You just like smoking marijuana, <laughs> like everybody else, right? I mean, it doesn't matter why you smoke uh. marijuana. Everybody just smokes marijuana because it makes you feel good, and that's the way it is. Listen, everybody has to have a vice, or you run up in buildings, you shoot them up. You have to have a, you have to have a vice, mm -hmm. and this is the best of, of all the vices I out think there, so. yeah. no doubt. Now. Um, we went to an event last weekend, KushCon, uh, over there at the Tampa Convention Center, and uh, we had a booth, and we we made a lot of great connects there. Uh, I ran into a, a guy that I had interviewed uh, on the radio before, Lofa Tutupu, mm -hmm. uh, who's very involved in uh, the CBD world and the THC world. We hit it off. He came here to the cafe. He's, he loves kava. I don't know how many shells he, he drank, but he drank quite a few. God yeah. bless him. And um, I thought the event went well. What did you think about the event? Overall. I thought it was great. I mm -hmm. made a lot of contacts too. I saw a couple of the uh, the seminars they had mm -hmm. with. Uh gubernatorial candidate Nikki Fried, yes. the state agriculture commissioner, she really wants to get marijuana legalized mm -hmm. for everyone here in Florida, or at least adults over 21. Sure. Yeah. Now, Nikki Fried is one of the, uh, by the way, Nikki, I'm try, I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a long time and uh, you've been evading me. We're so. working on it. Yeah, that's what we're, we're trying to get Nikki. She was, you know, she was she was a big deal and I was DJing on the side and she had a little party, so I didn't want to go, I didn't want to mess, mess with her while she was in there, but she's definitely somebody I want to talk to. Mm -hmm. uh, she's definitely been a proponent of, uh, of marijuana for a long time. A very long time. And listen, I'm not a very political person, you know. Uh, a lot of things on the ballot really don't pertain to me, you know. But marijuana is something that certainly does pertain to me. Mm -hmm. Um we try to stay at the forefront of it in this building in, in a lot of different ways. You know, we do have our consumption lounge outside. If anybody has their medical marijuana card, which they get right in here, you can go outside and smoke it after you have your cava in your kratom. Um, it's a little hot during the day now, but it's still not too bad at night. Everybody's out there chilling, having a good time. But uh, it was good to be rubbing elbows with people that are like-minded and understand that the stigma, it's time to, to squash the stigma. A lot of talk about that going mm -hmm. on. It's like people were just saying in those seminars, the stigma is over, really. There's nothing really that we need to worry about with regard to how this affects our health. Mm -hmm. It's so much better for you than liquor or pills mm -hmm. or any other things. I mean, I've... I'm a former drunk. I'm not a former drinker. I still have a drink occasionally, but I do not drink as much as I used to sure. when I was younger. I can't handle it anymore, but mm -hmm. this I can handle, and it just keeps me calm and sane mm -hmm. and relaxed and sometimes just chill. I get it. Chill's you know? good, chill's yeah. a good word. And I, I have to disagree with you. I don't think the stigma's over. I think the stigma is still there in a lot of ways. It's a shame. There's a still, I, I still see a lot of interviews, and people will say, oh, they opened a dispensary. I'm against it. And that's why I say, against what? Well, what are you against? You shouldn't be against the pills or the bar down the street. That's what you really should be against. Right. So, listen, uh, I think we have like-minded people that come here, a dignitary and uh, uh, more intelligent people. So I think uh, we understand. Maybe we read a little bit more than uh, all the drinkers out there <laughs> as well. My man right here, my business partner, Frank DeCavo G., 
What's up, everybody? How y'all everybody, doing? Everybody give Frank a hat. Everybody give him oh. a hat. Just give him a hat for making the best best cover and creative uh, in the, on the planet. <laughs> give him a, there you go. There you go. I like your Tom Ponzo. So, uh, uh, Frank the Cavo G, talk to everybody about your your upbringing in Kava. Like when to call yourself a Kavo G, you know, to, I, for, for for Kava to be in your name, it's got to be pretty darn important, brother. It, it just for me, I found Kava 2009. Mm-hmm. I think it was. I just wandered into Bula Cafe and I had a, a couple of shells. And from that point on, it was like I've got to find out what this stuff is. So over that last 12, 13 years, mm-hmm. I became a part of several different tribes. So I was hanging out with Bula people for a long time. Muddy water, low tide, just. People in the community know me, and I, you know, I was a strong, strong proponent of kava. I learned how to make it. Mm-hmm. I started researching islands where it came from, chemotypes, things like that, and it just became a passion of mine. Beautiful. And then this opportunity came along, yeah, and here I am. There we are. Mm-hmm. Here we are. We're yeah. we're creating our own tribe here as we yeah. uh, we, we have. Our we're tribe coming. Is growing. Yeah, we're coming. <laughs> we're getting close to a, a year, and uh, yeah. it's amazing how much we've grown yeah, in, in this one 1st year. First is going to be our every once. Well, I'll look around and I look around and I go, it's yeah. kind of weird. It's almost uh, like I remember, you know, me, you, and a couple other yeah. people sitting on the corner, you know, Sean and a couple other people sitting in the yeah. corner of the bar. This place. This wondering place. what it may look yeah. like. And uh, it's it's come a long way. It's came a long, long way. And it's still evolving every day. We've got so much stuff going on with, you know, this area here. It's constantly, we're updating things. We've Absolutely. got the outdoor area. We're adding new plants and stuff. Yep. We've got the soon to come uh, consumption lounge, which Correct. is going to be super, super exciting because I love that high end kind of cigar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just so much crap. I mean, the good stuff is happening here, and it's a great chemistry. Everybody that walks in this building is like, "Wow, what a vibe! Exactly. What a vibe you guys have!" And it's a it's a good feel, and yeah. I think that's what draws people in. And we're not a normal Kava bar, no. I don't think. When you no. walk in, it just it looks and feels different. Football season's coming around. I don't know if any other Kava bars really even emphasize sports. No, we definitely really. emphasize sports <laughs> we definitely here. Emphasize definitely. Sports. I want to say we're revolutionary revolutionizing the whole kava industry I'm with okay the with things that. we're doing by adding a cannabis stock in house. It's, yep. it's an unbelievable thing. It's a match made in heaven. Legal cannabis Correct. and kava work well together. It, it's Period. all good for you. Yes. You know, and that in itself. And one of the things I wanted to touch on real mm-hmm. quick is that Kushkan, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was seeing people in the medical profession actually being on board with medical Correct. cannabis. There Correct. were doctors there yes. on stage talking about how they're directing their patients more towards this as opposed to the other alternatives and that for me was like the, the light came on yeah. this this stigma is there you're right the stigma is there. there but mm-hmm. it's it's changing well it's to a point now where i think a doc a doctor is showing their ignorance yeah. if you don't support mm-hmm. cannabis mm-hmm. you're showing your ignorance so so mm-hmm. what you're prescribing mm-hmm. how many millions of pills yeah. but you're but yeah. you're against cannabis yeah. if a doctor told me it's against cannabis yeah Oh, it wouldn't be my doctor. I'm no. done. I'm not. I don't. I said, give me. Yeah. Let me. I'm. I'm out. I'm yeah. out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's what we're trying to emphasize here. Yeah. Um, you know, at the dignitary tea and kava house, it, it's about natural stuff. Yeah. You know. You know. The, we, we talked before. We had the, there was a young lady here that was uh, trying to fight against people trying to bag kratom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Yeah. 
that's still happening it's, in this world. It's 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 crazy. It's it's a never ending battle because you're going up against so much more money. Mm-hmm. You know, Kratom's something that can help a lot of people in a lot of different ways, but then you've got the big pharma that, you know, sees it as a demon seed. Yep. You know, which it's not. It's actually a really good herbal medicine if used properly. Correct, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now we we want to stay on top of everything and I sit here and I watch everybody drink your concoctions mm-hmm. and uh, to a man or woman they're always like this is the best here in the best and I think it's the best as well uh, explain the difference between the way you brew and the way everybody else is brewing Every- I, I see it what's the difference yeah, everybody does it differently and I don't really don't want to give away all no I don't want to give you secrets don't give me your secrets away I just my main component is quality depends on smaller batches so anything that's done small batch is going to have emphasis on quality once you start mass producing anything I do one gallon batches of all of my kavas anywhere from four to six seven different varieties it's always changing so I'm rotating it I'm always looking for new strains of kava from different islands and I just I, I take so much passion in the way I make it I use a mango wood bowl to start it out and then I finish it off in the and but it's all small batch kava mm-hmm. and I think that is really what makes the difference well I'm gonna say this I, I think you can say that about anything in this world I mean yeah. if you start off and you have a little restaurant it's, it's quality yeah, absolutely. But, when, but when you grow absolutely. sometimes the quality goes away and that's the big thing that we actually have to battle and everybody has to battle is consistency mm-hmm. you know it, it's going to be good it's great now but you know what's it going to be a year from now it still better be the same a year from now as it is today and that's sure. that's my commitment to everybody as absolutely. I guarantee you. anybody that I make pretty much 95% of the, the, the kava and kratom in here but anybody that I bring Bring in to do that is yeah. going to be doing it the exact same way, and they're going to have that same level of passion. You it's take going to be it something you that changed serious, their brother. life, like it changed my life. No doubt, and it's, it's, I think that's the part that amazes me mm. as we go forward. Uh, the amount of people that talk about kava mm. and kratom saving their like literally, absolutely. You know, you don't, you don't. Have you ever heard anybody said alcohol saved my life? No, God no. I'm not, I'm not, God, no. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny, right? <laughs> I mean, alcohol's killed somebody. Uh, kratom alcohol, and a tea. Alcohol killed my father at 52. Alcohol killed so yeah. many people, yeah, bro. It's yeah. amazing. And I was headed down that same path. I was, you know, I was in my mid-40s. I was mm-hmm. overweight, alcoholic, and you know what? If I would have not walked into that kava bar, mm-hmm. none of this would have happened. Well, bro, <laughs> I was drinking uh, uh, half a handle a night yeah. uh, about a little over a year ago. and It takes you, its toll. You think? Yeah. yeah. When you wake up in the morning, I, just, I feel yeah. a lot better when I wake yeah. up now. And uh, just making better decisions and uh, having things from from the earth is a, lot, is a lot better than drinking yeah, that uh, absolutely that devil's juice. Yeah, but it's uh, what's beautiful about this though too. It, you can maybe every once in a while have a drink, sure, you know, absolutely. as a treat to yourself. Yeah. You want to have a beer, a glass of wine, mm-hmm. or something like that. That's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. because you can do that and still go the next day and Correct. not touch alcohol again for six or seven months. Correct. You know, well, that's my, the beauty of it. I, I, and the thing is. Like when I went to Columbia for a week, okay, I had a couple oh, drinks yeah. here and there because I realized the reason why I had a couple of drinks is because they don't have any kava. Yeah. Because when I go out now and I, I go somewhere, I'm yeah. thinking, I can have a couple of drinks, but then I'm coming back yeah. and I won't be able to drink kava. That's it. So that I have to make a choice. Yeah. And this is this is my and, choice. And kava truly does make you feel better. It does. You, know, you don't. You're not hungover. You sleep great. You wake up feeling great. Aches and, and pains are yeah, gone. Yeah. Alcohol 
adds to everything. Yeah, and, and Cobb also has that community spiritual thing too, that where it just breeds positive energy, and you everybody around you has you know a positive aura when they're chilling and consuming kava. We bula in a traditional mm-hmm. island way with you know long life and good good health, mm-hmm. and you know we keep it as traditional as we can, and, mm-hmm. and it is. It's uh, I tell everybody, oh, you make the great kava, and you got such a great vibe. It's not me. It's, it is the kava. It's I, the kava. I'm blaming on the kava. We say the best for last. This young man uh, ran into him at uh, Kushcon and uh, just talked a little bit and kind of hit it off and started telling some stories and had an unbelievable story. And it's this is something everybody needs to hear. This young man, I'm going to make sure I get your name right, Devin Mueller. Yes, sir. You nailed it. Good to see you, brother. <laughs> He's a founder and executive producer for uh, Abracadabra Films. How you doing, brother? I'm doing ama- a lot better now that I'm here at Dignitary, Good, bro. Right? i got to give you some mad props oh. about this facility Thank and you, what sir. you're doing here. Appreciate I am a you. huge fan of Kava and Kratom. Mm-hmm. It saved my life, and now I feel like I found a second home in Tampa. Well, you're not <laughs> no, the first person to say that, and uh, <laughs> some people don't leave. Yeah, I'll, Like, well, literally, they sit here and hang out, and they're uh, They'll be here tomorrow and the next day, and we'll all be here. So it's a beautiful family, brother. So welcome to the family. Oh, my God. I'm honored. There you Thank go. You. So it's a beautiful thing. So I ran into you at KushCon, and I don't know how we came about, but you're a very personable young man. And uh, tell us, what, what do you do? What, tell us what you do. I'm an executive producer. I was originally an actor, and I was behind the camera. I grew up uh, performing and then realized I had a passion for the business side of things as well. So I wanted to create stories and tell stories and entertain and educate people. Mm-hmm. My other career path would have been a teacher of theater or okay. something like that, but it's hard to pay the bills when you're really doing that. So yeah. shout out to all the teachers out there. That's real, that's <laughs> real though. Te- the teachers are the real heroes out oh, there. Oh man. Un- I, unbelievable. Absolutely. I was at Blake for a little bit yeah, and man. like that's, the, the, you know, you get all ranges of everybody's personality Correct. there. Which absolutely. Is, which is great, but it's also, you know, I was 22, so yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't wise enough to be a teacher Understandable, either. understandable. So one love to all the teachers out there. So, so you're into the you're into the film business, and uh, so you have a you have a big project on the horizon. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And we were talking about the stigma of cannabis earlier. Mm-hmm. I heard you guys talking, and I'm going to change that stigma. That's my mission. Good. I heard about the true story of the origins of the film Reefer Madness in can't 1936. Wait I can't wait to hear this. I'm about to share with you, bro. Yes, uh, and this was what inspired me to reshift my purpose in life and say, I don't know, whatever it takes, I have to tell this story. Sure. It's like one of my missions. Um, basically, in 1936, in case you guys aren't aware, there was a black and white propaganda film called Reefer Madness where the lead character was an all-American football player. Uh-huh. He got cohorts into smoking reefer and ended up murdering somebody, raping somebody, running somebody over with a car. So it was that, very realistic. That darn weed. Yeah. <laughs> right? Those hooligans in their, in their <laughs> reefer. Uh, obviously this was not based in any sort of reality, but it was a propaganda piece by Harry Anslinger, who was the head of the DEA, to go around the country and show all of our PTA groups, don't smoke weed or you're going to end up like... So the head of the DEA... Movie 
had something to do with that movie? So he was an unofficial producer. So like, oh boy. It, it, it was a, on paper and it wasn't using tax dollars. It was more for like nonprofits and church groups that funded it and financed it. Okay. But the, the movie was based on real murders that occurred here in Tampa, Florida in 1933. Wow, that's crazy. This is what really blew my mind. And I was, uh, I found out about this from somebody, a friend of mine who's related to the family that exactly. was involved. Um, a 20-year-old kid named Victor Licata in 1933 went crazy and murdered his whole family in the middle of the night with an axe. Okay. And the police came the next day and they found a joint roach at the scene of the crime, oh so they boy. blamed the whole thing on weed. Of course. Right? And then Harry Anslinger would have these files, these case files called gore files. And there were all kinds of murders and different horrible crimes, but they would just associate them all with weed, weed. to develop on the propaganda side sure. of things. So I spent two years doing investigative journalism mm -hmm. and the genealogy of the family, the real events of the murder, what actually happened. Okay. And this was a long time ago, so it was kind of hard to get to the bottom of this. I would think so. It turns out Victor's parents are first cousins and his, of the, of, the real guy. Oh, really? His parent, yeah, they weren't that great. Uh, they were first cousins and he was <laughs> in and out of psych wards his whole life. Oh, boy. So he was already a little bit, sure. like, right on the street was yeah. like, he is a little bit off, he's a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. um, come to find out, I was doing location scouting for this movie and we were going to roll camera was in 2020 in April, but the pandemic had other plans. Sure. So as I'm doing location scouting for that, the real house where the murders take, took place still exists in Ebor. So it's still, it's still standing. It still stands, and we planned on filming in the house. So I want to film right where it really happened. There's still axe marks on the windowsill. No, come So, on. dude, I walk in there, I, I contact the owner, and I'm like, yo, I, I like your house. I want to film a movie there. We all, can we talk? Can you show Did me around? Did they know? So this is the best part. He goes, come on over. I didn't say what it was about. Yeah. I said nothing. He invites me over for Cuban coffee in the morning. I show up, and he invites me inside, and there's a poster of Reefer Madness hanging on the wall. And so I went, he, okay. So he clearly yeah, knew. yeah. He's a fan of the history of well, Ebor. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was very, very cool that he preserved this house uh -huh. and wanted to keep it this way. Uh -huh. and obviously, like, you know, painted it and made it sure. livable. But um, he's a steward of history. And he showed me upstairs the attic. And the attic had the remnants of an old moonshine still. Okay. So I had to go back and do more investigative journalism and be like, what is this? Come to discover that this family was making moonshine for the Traficantes, and this was right in the middle of Charlie Wall and the Traficantes Seniors, a mob war down in Ebor. Makes Ebor's. a lot of sense, yeah. So Ebor used to be called Little Chicago, mm -hmm. and that was because of all the moonshine, the yeah. rum running, and all that kind of stuff. So it was very violent, very gangster, very, you know, stereotypical prohibition era kind of setting mm -hmm. uh, and I you know the the real thing that kind of sparked my interest was not only the prohibition and the element of did this family get whacked by being involved with organized mm -hmm. crime and then they got blamed on Victor was Victor actually crazy what really happened it was zooming out and examining what was occurring on the national scale mm -hmm. and who was Harry Anslinger so I started looking into who Harry Anslinger mm -hmm. is turns out he was the head of John Rockefeller's security he married um, uh, the niece of a man named Andrew Mellon 
And Andrew Mellon was the Secretary of the Treasury at the time. So you got the three wealthiest people in the country at this time. You got uh, Ford, uh-huh. Rockefeller, and Andrew Mellon. So you got like Mellon Carnegie, Mellon Banks, sure. Mellon mm-hmm. Steel. He also owns 60% of DuPont. All the money. All they have, of the money. They have all the money. Tycoons. Probably yeah. the word tycoon came yeah. from. Mm-hmm. Um, so he basically appoints his newly married into the family nephew to this head of a department that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And he said, your first mission is to go make cannabis and hemp illegal. And I asked myself, why is this such a big deal? What is the deal with this? Turns out in 1933, a machine called the decorticator was invented. Mm -hmm. And this was like the cotton gin for hemp. So hemp was not cheap to industrial harvest and manufacture with. It was like a long process. You had to leave it out in the sun for 30 days and beat it with sticks and Mm -hmm. separate the fiber from the stalk. All kinds of real pain in the butt. But this thing was like a wood chipper. You just feed it in one side and it produces it out the other. So Popular Mechanics magazine came out with a magazine that said hemp, the new billion dollar crop. So basically Rockefeller and uh, Mellon got together and said, this is with William Randolph yeah, Hearst of the genius. Hearst Empire, Hearst Newspapers, mm-hmm. got together and said, this is going to cut the legs out of all of our business. Mm-hmm. We got to do something about this, but we can't say we got to ban cannabis because doctors prescribe cannabis. We can't say we got to ban hemp because our military ships are in our canvas bags and clothing is made from hemp. It's like in use everywhere. So let's invent of a word. Oh, this Mexican tobacco that has no, nothing to do with THC is called marijuana. Let's use that. That's a good idea. And let's blame it on a bunch of minorities and really messed up propaganda and fear mongering to scare the shit out of the American public. you know, some what you're saying right now, I've heard in different ways, okay, throughout the years, okay? You know there's going to be some people listen to you that, that think you're crazy. You know that, right? I've already, I've already encountered yeah. them. They're fine. I don't think, I don't think you're crazy at all. I, I think that's exactly the way things happened. I got documents to back it up. That's, that's what I'm the saying. thing. I didn't realize this. I was in the Reefer Madness Museum in Los Angeles, and I'm going through the museum with my phone doing a live stream and I turn into a room that's all about the movie and hanging on the wall is a letter mm. from the Surgeon General of Florida mm. to Harry Anslinger saying, hey, we heard about this kid called Victor Licata. He mm. went crazy. We thought this case might be interesting to you. Wow. And I went, I broke down into tears right really? there, man. It was seven years of my life and I went, I'm finally validated. Yeah. It's real. This is, a, first of all, how did this document survive? Correct. Second of all, like, mm. I, now nobody can argue. You know? Well, the, what, what, what you just spat out there, I don't think anybody can spit out anything, anything and lie about what you just said right there and kind of piece the pieces together. So the documentary is going to be coming out. Uh, we only have a minute and 20 seconds. So I want to make sure we, film, yeah. I want to make sure everybody gets all the information. Now, where, do, where is it coming out? When is it coming out? How do people, how are people going to be able to so see you guys, it? everyone can go to Abracadabra Films, our website, and reach out to me. You can go to uh, Twitter and reach out to me directly at Abracadabra Dev, D-E-V. Um, it'll be in theaters. It's it's going to be a historical fiction. So think like um, the, what was I going to say? Think like Sin City meets uh, The Untouchables. Okay. Something like okay. that. So a scripted narrative. We can do more with it. Mm. I have a, a documentary that maybe another day we'll talk about, so, about Piney Point and Blood in the we're, Water. We're so. definitely going to talk about that. That's I'm going to have a fish near and near to me. Absolutely. We talk about that on, on my radio show as well. Captain Mike Anderson calls it every Friday. That's awesome. And that's we, we do care about our waters and I fish all 
all the time. I'm in Crystal River fishing all the time, so I care about our waters, no doubt about that. And uh, my, my boy Dominic Medina is involved with your, uh, your whole thing as well. This is my brother yeah, from childhood. Yeah. He's a co-founder and executive producer of my company. We go way and back. We have uh, we got history, man. With his I got history with his family. I heard. Well, I told Good him people. I was coming over, and then he filled me out on the there history, and I said, just show up. I'm all surprised. There you go. <laughs> well, brother, I appreciate you, man. No, I appreciate what you're doing. Everybody check him out. Uh, please come by Dignitary Tea and Kava House here real soon. Yes. Deuces, everybody. Be good. Looking for studios in the Tampa Bay area to record your podcast? Radio Influence can help. With two studios on either side of the bay, Radio Influence has you covered. Engineered and produced by longtime radio professionals, achieve the excellence in podcasting that you and your listeners deserve. For more information or to schedule studio time, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence, the future is now.